Welcome to 900 Ackland Avenue. This is the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. What follows is a service from December 24th, 2023. Thank you. God bless. Welcome to Ackland. For those that uh, belong to our congregation and are traveling, we certainly want to remember them in our prayers that they're safe, but it's always good to be with family, especially this time of year. So thank you for uh, being here. I'm going to read from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7, and I'm reading from the King James Version, so it'll be different um, than the translation that's in your bulletin. I just felt like this was a stronger language. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them have the light shined. Thou hast multiplied the nation and not increased the joy. They joy before thee according to the joy in harvest, and as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For thou hast broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, in the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian, for every battle of the warrior is with confused noise and garments rolled in blood, but this shall be with burning and fuel of fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon the, on his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and the peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with the justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, thank you so much for loving us, for always forgiving us of our sins, and just helping us to be the best that we can be every single day. Thank you for this congregation, for our time together, and thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who chose to come live on this earth and give us hope for eternal salvation. Be with our time together in our worship service. It's in Jesus we pray. Amen. Morning. Uh, My name is Duff Harris, and as of about uh, 8.58 this morning, uh, I am your song leader this morning. Praise the Lord. We're going out of the uh, supplement, if you have those handy nearby, and we're going to start at number uh, 211. 211. And I don't know if y'all do this here, um, but let's stand up. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born the King of angels. O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Sing, choirs of angels, sing in exultation. Oh, sing, all ye bright host of heaven above. Glory to God, all glory in the highest. Oh, come, let us adore him. 
Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Yea, Lord, we greet thee. Born this happy morning, Jesus, to thee be all glory given. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing, oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Let me check my list. This was done very fast. 203. Just, just keep this one handy. Get comfortable with this book today. <laughs> My uh, current home congregation um, does not know this song, so it's actually very nice that, that y'all do, and I can sing this song finally. So. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins, release us. Let us find our rest in Thee. Israel, strength and consolation, hope of all the earth Thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. I will be reading from Luke 1, verses 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Let's pray. God, we're grateful today, especially for the incarnation, um, for your willingness to send your son into the brokenness of the world um, and to redeem the world by sharing in our sufferings and pain. Um, God, we're grateful that you offer your presence to us in the midst of suffering and pain and brokenness, and, and we see the light and beauty that you bring. We're reminded in um, the reading of the Magnificat that the way Christ entered this world um, was to show concern and love for, for the overlooked, for the suffering, um, for the broken, for those in pain, and for the marginalized. And I pray that you would give us eyes um, to, to see those around us and a heart to 
to have the same concern for them that you do. Um, God, we ask especially today that you would comfort those in the midst of our community that are suffering and are in pain. Um, we pray especially for Ashley's student, Sung, and her family. Um, we pray that you would uh, bless them with your presence and your comfort, um, that you would just protect them as they prepare to mourn such a beautiful and, and joyful child um, in a way that we can't understand um, why some things happen, that you would just surround them and bless them. God, we continue to pray for Manuel Perdoma's family, and I know that all of those that have lost loved ones um, recently are, are especially mindful of that this time of year, and pray that you would just surround um, that family and all, all families in our midst that are continuing to mourn their loved ones. Um, we ask that you would uh, be with those who are healing um, or sick or in pain. Um, we pray for Zora, that you would continue to be with her, um, that she would continue to heal well and um, be able to be relieved from her pain. We pray for Mark Green as he continues to recover. We pray for Carla, that you would give her um, strength as she is, she just has to be exhausted caring for him. Um, it's, it's been so much on them and we just pray that you um, take care of them during this time. Uh, we pray for all of our friends that continue in cancer treatment, for Stephen, for Amy, for Debbie, for Leanne. Um, and we pray that you would continue to be with Ray, with Carolyn, with Chuck Kickman, and with Stephen Edwards. Uh, we ask that you would be with our missionaries as they continue to do your work, um, either in the local community or around the world, um, as they are your hands and your feet and um, are pouring out so much to their community. Continue to um, bless them with your presence and your encouragement. Um, and God, in the midst of the brokenness that we see every day around us, we proclaim, come Lord Jesus, shine your light in our lives, and heal us. 53. Uh, we we'll start with the Sopranos and then the basic. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God. My Savior, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in my soul.
Well, good morning, church family, and Merry Christmas to you. As I have said in, in preceding weeks, we've had several uh, Advent-themed sermons, but because it's not our tradition to actually meet on Christmas Day, and because it's so special that today is Christmas Eve, I warned you, we just go ahead and celebrate Christmas when we got to this Sunday. So our theme this morning is celebration and joy, uh, and the joy became when I saw uh, Duff Harris walk in this morning, because... Larry is not feeling well, and Tim is in Las Vegas visiting uh, Jackie's family. So you were about to get me for the whole time, right? And so I saw Duff walk in. Duff led singing here when he was a college student. Now his daughter Mara is a college student and, and worships with us. And I was like, it's a Christmas miracle. Along those lines, uh, Caroline and Maisie and Clark and Walter, if you'd come up, they're going to help me pass something out. While we're in a festive season here, Rachel, will you stand up and show us how to sign Merry Christmas so we can wish each other a Merry Christmas as we begin? So Merry Christmas. Form a C with your hand across. Very good. So I appreciate y'all doing that. So, um, yeah, I want to give everybody a, Christmas, uh, a candy cane as we began this morning. If everybody take one, and you're not going to be forced to do some type of activity. Some of you are like, what's he going to make us do with it? Uh, no worries. Just grab one as we go through. It was in the 17th century in Cologne, Germany, that there was a choir director, and they would do, they would do a live nativity. There's their tradition. It would take like 30 minutes to an hour, like live nativity, live animals, live baby, and the kids would just go wild. And the choir director couldn't keep the kids quiet. So he went to the candy maker in town. He's like, can you make some type of stick candy? that they Almost like a pacifier. They just put in their mouth and then keep them quiet while we do the nativity before it's time to sing. And they're like, well, that doesn't sound real spiritual. And he was like, well, why don't you put like a little hook on it and we'll tell everybody that it stands for a shepherd's staff. And it reminds them this time of year. Uh, but one of the reasons I love candy canes... Uh, yeah, you can just put these up front, Carolyn, when you're done, is uh, you can do so many different types of things with it, right? So it forms kind of the shepherd's staff. So you can remember Jesus as the good shepherd and the shepherds uh, in the fields the night Jesus was born. Also, the white on the candy cane was for the sinlessness, purity, and holiness of, of Jesus. And then sometimes people turn it upside down and say, you know, it forms a J. The J is for Jesus, or the J is for joy that we experience uh, this time of year. So it is indeed a time to celebrate this time of year. Um, I'll get together with some of, of my family tonight, and we're a boiled custard family. I know some families are eggnog families, some families are boiled custard families. Some, you can just put them right there, Walter. I appreciate it. That's kind of you kids to do that this morning for me. Uh, but tonight, not only was I able to find boiled custard, you can't always find boiled custard. It's more of an eggnog town. But I found the boiled custard, and tonight I'll have not one but two cups. Of, that's when you know it's a, it's a celebration, right? I'll drink two cups of boiled custard to celebrate all that is good. And that is our theme this morning. Open your bulletin, and we'll do our reading from Luke chapter 2, 1 through 20. And if you would, stand with me for the reading. Luke chapter 2, 1 through 20. And join with me in the bold section, if you'd like. <clears throat> In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terrified. But the angel said to them, together, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying together, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Like you, I've been watching a number of Christmas movies in recent days. And one of the most frequented themes in Christmas movies is the theme of a canceled Christmas. Well, we're going to have to cancel Christmas because there's some type of storm or Santa's sleigh doesn't work or something like that, whether it's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer or Elf, something like that. And we've got to overcome some type of challenge or Christmas will be canceled. You might have seen the real headlines that today in Bethlehem, in the West Bank area, much of the Christmas celebrations have indeed been canceled. And there's been numerous headlines, canceled Christmas in Bethlehem. And this is because of all of the strife and tension and war and the dislocation among many Israelis and many Palestinians that are not in their own homes at this point. And fingers pointing on all sides, that many, and small minority of Palestinian Christians, many of whom are Eastern Orthodox, it just doesn't seem appropriate to have all of our normal Christmas celebrations. That made me sad when I heard that, even though I understood. But it made me sad, because this is about 18 months ago that I was there, the Church of the Nativity, in, in what they call Peace Square, this beautiful area, just celebrating and thinking about the joy that God came into this world in the person of a baby. And yet, as many have said in recent days, um, it's not that much different from the first Christmas. You can see that if you had planned a party on the first Christmas, many might have wanted to cancel that as well. For the circumstances that accompany the first Christmas are still the circumstances that we see throughout the world. Consider this. It begins, chapter 2 of Luke, with Caesar taking a census. And if you're like me, I grew up thinking, a census, no big deal. We do a census every 10 years in this country. I just felt the form, put it back in the mail. It's no big deal. But this is the thumbprint of empire. There's even an echo of slavery into this. So imagine this. It's one thing if you're in a third grade class at elementary school, and after recess or on your way back in, the teacher has you count off because the teacher cares for you and wants to make sure she or he has the right number of students before you go back to the classroom, doesn't want to lose anyone. But imagine, imagine a situation of slavery, and you're paraded out so a master can count all the slaves. That's no longer an atmosphere of caring. Instead, that's a boastful, prideful way of counting, quote-unquote, property. It's demeaning. It's a reminder that you are not your own. Someone else has dominion over you. And leave no doubt, that's what Caesar's doing in this circumstance. You think Joseph wants to take what was most likely a three- or four-day journey on a donkey to get to Bethlehem? Do you think he wants to do that when his wife is nine months pregnant? No way. Neither one of them want to do that. It's not convenient. It's not what they want to do. But the emperor is making them do it because that's what emperors do. It's evil. It's controlling. It was not a situation of peace. And as they're traveling, no doubt there are many sideways glances because of their situation, being betrothed to each other, not yet married, but being found with child. No doubt people did not assume the best, but assumed the worst. Some of you have been in that situation where I have an explanation, but yet no one wants to hear it. 
people don't give you the benefit of the doubt. They assume you're the worst thing imaginable. That's what everybody was doing about Joseph. That's what everyone was doing about Mary. It was not a time for celebration. And yet when they finally get there, there's nowhere to go. There's no room. We're familiar to this phrase, room in the end, because all the work we do, partnering with the Nashville community to alleviate homelessness in our area. We're familiar with this line, but we don't want to become so familiar we don't think about it. There was no place for them to go. And you think about all the all the health care we put into the delivery of children in this world, and then you picture Mary giving birth, putting baby Jesus in a manger, in a feeding trough. Kids, the food bowl for your dog or cat at home, right? And putting baby Jesus in that. And if you look at this situation, or put differently, if this was you, <laughs> and you had given birth in these circumstances, or you had been there with your loved one giving birth in these circumstances, you would not have been in the mood to celebrate. You would not have been in the mood to have joy. But yet, this is what the angels do, and this is the joyful absurdity of the story, is that the angels come, and they proclaim good tidings. And they proclaim joy. And you'll be like, who would look at this story (laughs) and celebrate? The angels. They come and they give the message that this is the Messiah. This is peace. To use the word that's used in the Matthew story from the angels, this is Emmanuel. This is God with us. And it is time to celebrate. Even If the situation does not appear from our human eyes to call for celebration, it's a time to celebrate. Even if we don't feel like celebrating, it's a time to celebrate. I want you to consider a Christmas when you did not feel like celebrating. And probably many of you, like me, can picture a Christmas when it was the first Christmas when this loved one was not there. And it's different it's perhaps a more somber tone to the celebration, similar to Bethlehem today over on the West Bank. And yet there's still this call for celebration. One that comes to my mind was about 10 years ago when my older brother was in Afghanistan for the year, and he was away from his family. He left in July and wasn't going to be back till the following June. He thought he was probably going to get to come spring break in March, but he didn't know for sure. And so at this point, he had been away from his family six months. And his kids were ranging from late elementary to middle school, and it was really hard on them. It was hard on his lovely wife, Aubrey. And they were apart. And they weren't always with us on Christmas, but Christmas was different just knowing that he wasn't with his family. Right, and that he was out of the country. And I'll never forget that Christmas because with the advent of technology, we were able to, I can't remember if it was Zoom or FaceTime, but we were able to video chat him. I was able to see his face. And he was on an American military base in Afghanistan. He was wearing kind of his neutral colored fatigues or whatever. He was in the Air Force. And we were able through this video screen to wish each other a Merry Christmas. And I did not feel like celebrating because I missed my brother. I did not feel like celebrating because I was sad he wasn't with his family. But yet we wished each other a Merry Christmas and we celebrated and we even told a few jokes, you know, because we were together and there was a joy. You can probably remember sometimes that we're not joyous, but yet you remember with great joy because there was something about it. I was a youth minister for years, and I always marveled that I could plan all these amazing trips. But the most memorable trip was always the trip when the bus broke down. And everyone was bummed the bus broke down. But then because the bus broke down, somebody created this amazing game that no one had ever thought of before, and we would play that game for hours while we waited for the bus to be fixed. And everyone remembered that trip, even though nothing went as planned. Because it was this sense that even in the problem situation, we were together. We've been talking about the season of Advent leading up to Christmas, and one of the things we said is these are practices that spiritually form us into the type of people God wants us to be. 
And the rhythm that God invites us into is we wait and we prepare, we wait and we prepare, we wait and we prepare, and then we celebrate with our spirits and with our bodies because that's what we're created to do. We are trained to wait and prepare, wait and prepare, wait and prepare, and then to celebrate because that is the story of the whole universe, that someday Jesus will return to restore all things, and after faithful and righteous waiting all these years, we will indeed celebrate. And we want to be able to practice that so well that it becomes the rhythm of our lives, that we learn to celebrate even when we're like, I don't know that I feel like celebrating. We get ourselves into positions we're able to celebrate anyway. This was formed into me as a child. I think I've told this story before because it's one of the strong memories of my childhood. Little League Baseball. I was probably five, six years old, rural Tennessee. Half the kids on my team were named Bubba. Coaches didn't always wear shirts. It was the smell of snow cones and cigarettes. Uh, it was kind of that, that, that climate there. And whether we would win or lose the game, we would all load up in the back of a pickup truck afterwards. And we would hold our fingers in our air, in the two-mile drive down to the dairy dip, we would chant, we're number one, we're number one, we're number one. And then we'd all get free ice cream. And I remember one of the last games when I was six years old, it finally dawned on me, you know, maybe it took me a little longer than others. We just lost that game 15 to four, and yet we're chanting, we're number one. <laughs> We've lost half our games this year, and yet our parents and the coach, someone's paying for this. I don't think the Dairy Dip is that charitable. Um, we're getting free ice cream whether we win or lose, and it was ingrained in me that you wait and prepare, you wait and prepare, and then you celebrate. I seen about this the other day because even now, when my girls are having a cross-country meet, I tell them what was told to me as a child. I say, go out and have fun. Just remember, we'll have ice cream either way. <laughs> And that's strange. Even now, our men's basketball league's about to start up. And after every game, whether we win by 30 or lose by 30, I go home and have ice cream. Like, it's just ingrained in me. You celebrate whether you're supposed to be celebrating or not. And that's what's meant to be woven into our bones. That we are people that should celebrate, no matter what. Now, there are at least three reasons why we're called to celebrate. Well, before I get into that, real briefly, I've shown you this fullness of time series that I'm going through this year. We looked at the book on Advent written by Tish Harrison Warren. This is a book on Christmas, which I'm going to refer to this week and next Sunday, written by Emily Hunter McGowan. Uh, she's a professor at Wheaton College up near the Chicago area. And I want to offer a couple of quotes from her book. She says... <clears throat> Many of us may find it easier to participate in Advent and Lent, its springtime complement. Human life is marked by suffering, and celebration doesn't always come easily to a people acquainted with sorrow and hope deferred. Despite the gains of modernity, the dreadful beasts of conquest, war, famine, plague, and death continue to stalk the earth. And now, with the help of mass media, we are perhaps more aware than ever of the breadth and depth of the anguish they inflict. No amount of money or power can shield us from the vulnerability of being human. Sickness, heartbreak, and loss, it seems, are the price we pay for existence. Nevertheless, the church calendar ensures that no matter how long and dark our advent the season of waiting always gives way to the season of wonder. By God's abounding grace, Christmas still arrives every year. Somehow or other, it comes just the same. I think we can get so used to the season of waiting that it feels inappropriate or maybe even unwise to indulge in celebration, but I want to encourage you this day, in this time, and in this season, to indulge in celebration. And real quickly, three reasons why we should be people that celebrate this day. Number one, 
Jesus coming into the world, God taking on human skin, the incarnation, tells us that creation is good, and it tells us that our bodies are good. You might have at some point been in a context where it was, well, I don't want to have too much fun because that doesn't seem spiritual. I don't want my body to have too much pleasure because that doesn't seem holy. And certainly that can go out of hand and become hedonism and the chasement of pleasure for pleasure's sake. And certainly there's all forms of ungodly and unholy pleasure. And yet God has created our bodies for joy and pleasure. And if you're like me, two cups of boiled custard tonight, right? The physical has become good when God took on human skin. And leave no doubt, there are many philosophies in this world and there are many religions in this world that the thing about Christianity that they don't understand is that God would take on the physical realm. Because the physical realm is either evil or at the very least it's very secondary. And no holy and righteous God would take on the physical realm. And as Christians, we proclaim God took on the physical realm because the physical realm is good, and your body is good, and this world is good. I'll give you another quote I really liked from her book. Beneath the tinsel and multicolored lights lies the deeper truth to which it testifies. Creation is good. Human life is good. And God is redeeming both in Christ. As fallen as the world remains, acknowledging the goodness of renewed creation through holiday decoration can be a life-giving practice. The scriptures of Christmas tell us that instead of saving his people from the world, God chooses to save his people and the world. I love that line so much. Let me say that again. The scriptures of Christmas tell us that instead of saving his people from the world, God chooses to save his people and the world. And God chooses to do so in and through the world, the good world God creates, loves, and cares for. We should be people that celebrate because God is reclaiming the physical space. Number two, we should be people to celebrate because as the Matthew account of this story reminds us, Jesus is Emmanuel. Jesus is God with us. And we are not alone. This is the Christmas message. This is the mural that Robert put over here. You are not alone. It's a version of Emmanuel. God is with us. Our life circumstances may not be exactly as we would have them be, but look around. We are together today. We are with God. Tonight, tomorrow morning, tomorrow night, in our homes. Even if we find ourselves alone for a few minutes, we are celebrating with Christians all over the world what God has done in Jesus. Even, I'll go this far, we are even celebrating with our loved ones who have gone on to the other side. Because the reason I drink boiled custard and not eggnog is because Granny Robinson always served boiled custard. And I know that she is with the Lord. And this Christmas, even if I'm by myself in the living room drinking bold custard, there's a spiritual sense in which I'm drinking it it with Granny Robinson. That we are together with those that have gone on. We are not alone. And then quickly, number three, the incarnation tells us the Messiah has come and that victory is coming. Good will defeat evil. Mercy and love will defeat hatred and bigotry. And Jesus will share his victory with us. Jesus is victorious. Jesus will win, and he will invite us in to that victory. So let us celebrate today. Let us celebrate every time we break the bread and drink the cup together. Because as we are moving towards the great feast that is coming, I'll close with this reading from McGowan's book, and then we'll sing Joy to the World. What number is that, Duff? 205. 205. You can go ahead and turn to 205. Joy to the World. And let me conclude with this quote from McGowan. While we await the day when our righteous judge returns to set all things right, the people of God light candles and sing, holding space for grief and lament, 
even while looking forward with hope. Into a world of darkness and death, God in Christ brings light and life, even if we can't see it yet. Let us celebrate and let us claim the joy that Jesus has won for us. Let us stand and sing.
Let's pray. Holy Father, I just am so grateful this morning. I just thank you for this meal that we're about to consume. Lord, as we, as we, um, as we eat this bread, just help us to think of your son. Help us to think of his life. Help us to think of how he taught and how he loved and how he fed and just walked and led the way. God, help us to think of, his, think of your son and his body that was broken for us as we consume this bread. God, help us to um, not follow with just our feet, but with our hearts and our minds. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's bow once more. Holy Father, as we partake of this fruit of the vine, this grape juice, God, I thank you for its refreshment. Lord, I thank you for the joy that you bring to our daily lives. Help us to um, be joy to others. Help us to be people of peace. Um, help us to be um, people of love. Um, God, and I, again, just thank, thankful for your, your son and um, in being able to follow in his footsteps. It's in his name we pray. Amen. In the foyer of my house at home, there is a photograph. And it's mad and framed that you love being a part of this. Oh, come, oh, come, listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, the podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash Thanks again for joining us. God bless.